You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Would you like like to interview or would you like me to interview? I'll kick us off. (laughs) Hello, I'm Colin. I'm joined by a horse. (laughs) No, you're listening to The Worship Review, and this is series number four, episode number one. And we are a podcast which dissects, analyzes, hopefully in a charitable way, but nevertheless a critical way, the songs that we sing in church. And with this series, we are back to looking at the songs that we sing in church. We are going through top songs on the CCLI, the sort of uh, playlist, as it were, for churches, the songs that are sung quite widely and often in churches. I am Colin. I'm a history professor at a research university in the Midwest of the United States. I'm joined by Tyler, who is not a horse. I'm not a horse. I'm a man and a linguist. And Colin may be here to stir the pot uh, for these songs, but I'm here to knock the pot over. I have no remorse. There's going to be some, uh, what is it, like word violence? Right. <laughs> on, this, on this podcast. Yes. This is this podcast is a linguistic um barrage, you could say. So of inanities. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The song that we're looking at this week is You Make Me Brave by Bethel Music. You. Oh, very well. Yes. And uh, I think this will be an important question, actually. <laughs> per, per listener feedback, uh, I certainly am going to go ahead and make the assumption that the you is God. I'm just going to go ahead and do that. Well, we have a couple of... Oh, my goodness. I have some, I have some things to say about that. <laughs> All right, I'll just say it now. First, we have a you who is king of heaven, but we also have a you who is heaven's... Champion. Champion. Right? Yeah. So um, I interpreted Heaven's Champion as Christ. Yeah, Revelation 19, right? That's where I went. But um, maybe we can just give a little bit of a summary of the song. Yeah, let's do that first. Get into the details of the title. Tyler, will you summarize this song for us? Yeah, we have an assurance that you make me brave (laughs) by the singer. And we have different images throughout this song of what that looks like. Uh, Waves crashing down on a person, waves of love, um, bowing in humility before the king of heaven, Uh, the calling of my name and the song of love that you sing, and... Walking out into the waves from the shore. So uh, it seems like being made brave is being made to 
fearlessly walk out onto the ocean shore. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me quite a bit of a song by Hillsong that was very popular for many years called Oceans. Yeah. Um, you call me out upon the water, the great unknown, mm. where feet may fail. It's that song with that killer drum solo, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, this song has a very, very good percussion section, I noticed, in the mm. in the live version of it. Uh, what do you think about that summary? Was that okay? Yeah. What I mean, would I, you say? No, I just add to it, you know, it's, 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 it's very consistent about kind of being on the beach. You know, and then, or at least the ocean, I think the beach isn't mentioned, but the, sh- the shore and then the waves and then going out into the ocean. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the song, I don't know. You've heard of marine biology, but have you heard of marine theology? Because yeah, that's, that's right. kind of what this song is. <laughs> yeah. It's marine theology. That's good. Um, you know, because all the different parts of the, um, the shore experience kind of represent something. So, you know, you kind of, you kind of have to soak in the metaphor to mm. be a little bit of a punster and it helps you i think that helps give shape a little bit to some of the things that the song's talking about but maybe not also which i suppose we can talk about as we get into the lyrics and that's what we're going to do now is break down some of these lyrics Let's just get right into verse one. I stand before you now, the greatness of your renown. I have heard of the majesty and wonder of you, king of heaven. In humility, I bow. Well, there is something good about this. (laughs) When you say it like that, yes, I realize where that's going. But what I mean is, it is good that we are describing the majesty and wonder of the king of heaven. Right. And setting him apart, right, making, uh, glor- glorifying him by acknowledging his majesty and wonder. The song opens with the singer or singers standing before you, mm-hmm. who we later learn is the king of heaven, yeah. bowing in humility before you. So I think we are talking about worship. Yeah. And seems like it. There is, in Revelation 7, a description of a great multitude who have gathered before the throne, who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb, and they cry out in a loud voice of praise Mm -hmm. to Him. So I wonder if this is meant to be um, reminiscent of Revelation 7, in that there's also a, a falling on a face before yeah. the throne, a kind of uh, bowing and adoration. Yeah, prostration. Yes. There's a fragment in this opening line. So I stand before you now, and then we have this fragment, the greatness of your renown. So that the greatness of your renown is not... There's no um, verb. It, it is, yeah. That's why I call it a fragment, because we understand the idea but it's it's kind of like an idea thrown into a sentence, uh, like an aside in a way. Yeah. For example, Colin, it's so nice to see you. Wow, your hair! 
and then going yeah, on and on. Now right. Colin doesn't have hair, but your hair is gone. In the illustration, yeah, exactly. You can imagine I've inserted this interjection, a kind of sentence fragment. It draws attention to it, yeah, but it's not a complete thought, complete, yeah, coherent. You're kind thought. of waiting for you to say what it is about my hair that caused you to exclaim. Yeah. Now, if I saw Colin, if I were to see Colin and he did have hair, then I would probably say something like that because he is aging and has lost um, most of his yeah. mental acumen, but also some of his hair. Too. Cognitive decline. In the, in the new heavens and the new earth, I'll have a glorious mane of hair. I only really just have questions about these lines. Um, so the first line is, I stand before you now. And it, I was just, you know, I just read these lyrics on the page. I didn't listen to the song until after I went through and read all the lyrics and kind of thought about them. And the thing that I thought of was, I stand before you now. So this is sung in a church service. And how, we know that God is with us when two or more are gathered together. We know that he's with us in his word. We know that he's with us in a lot of ways. I just... I wondered where they thought God was now. So I stand before you now. It may be a mere verbal cue to the listener and to the, I want to say collaborator, in a, in a neutral sense, the one who is joining in the singing, the co-singer, that what is happening is worship. Okay. It may not be meant to be fleshed out into a fully coherent idea. It's just like a little signal to, to basically say, you're in, you're you're worshiping God right now. Right. It's using imagery, using language that kind of sounds like something that's happening and something that's quite majestic, and then kind of um, bringing it into a particular moment yes. in the present. Right. Yes. And yeah. an interesting aspect of this that we haven't touched on yet is that God's reputation precedes him, because this singer says, um, "I have heard." Of yeah. your of the majesty and wonder of you, yeah. so uh, very interesting idea. This person has heard maybe stories or descriptions of God's majesty mm -hmm. and is bowing because of that. Mm -hmm. I, I found it interesting that they chose to like. Um, I don't know what you call it when you have a genitive rather than use the possessive with the apostrophe s. Right? right? They they right. said of this. Right. I mean, it, it just makes it a bit wordy. Like, that's yes. not a common way to, to do things in English. Right. As a, so what you mean is instead of saying, I have heard of your majesty and wonder, right. I have heard of the majesty and wonder of you. Yeah. Right. It's just an odd. Odd circumlocution. Yeah. But perhaps they needed to fit syllable structure. We yeah, can maybe. permit yeah, yeah, poetic license Colin. yeah no no totally right that that i just i just note it i guess and you know the only other thing i guess i'll note and maybe, that is an interesting note of you uh, uh, i guess only one other comment i'll make is so king of heaven in humility i bow and again just reading this on the page i was thinking about how many times in a worship song i've sung something like i'm lifting my hands i'm bowing down i fall on my knees but like i'm saying that and i'm not doing that Yes. Again, this isn't a criticism at all, really, of the song, but it's just kind of a, amusing. Not a muse, not amusing. It, this is a a. I am I am musing about the idea of uh, how we say one thing but do another thing 
in a lot of worship music. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And obviously, is... obviously there's leniency. I get it. But like, I, I, again, I'm not saying it's wrong to sing, I lift up my hands without lifting up your hands. I'm not saying that. And it's kind of a weird thing that we do. Yes. In conservative, even uh, highly regulative principle right. obeying churches. Even churches that sing only the Psalms. Because the Psalms will talk about lift, doing that. 134. Yeah. Selection B and right. the blue salt, right? Lift your hands right. within his temple. Yeah. And you think, okay, how many people in this room are lifting their hands right. while they sing this? Right. I, Although that's an imperative, which is slightly different. It is. Because that's telling people to lift their hands. Now, presumably also the, the singer could be included in that imperative. But this is, I'm thinking about the language like this, which, which is ever so slightly different, um, which is a person saying something about themselves that they are not doing. And I, I yeah. wondered if maybe the way to get around this is, okay, well, this is looking at that uh, kind of the future reference, the revelation reference, and it's saying, okay, well, when I'm in that spot, then I'll bow down. But then it's like, okay, but you just declared right now that you're in God's presence. Mm-hmm. So why would you not be doing it right now? Like if you yeah. really believed you were in God's presence in a serious way, and you really were in front of, God of such majesty and renown and wonder, I mean, wouldn't you bow? Mm -hmm. You probably ought to, because if you don't show reverence, you may end up hurting yourself. So I don't know. I guess I'm just just wondering how consistent... Again, really, this is just using the song to explore something that's outside of the bounds of the song. But nevertheless, I'm going to keep thinking about this. Yeah. love in wave after wave crashes over me crashes over me for you are for us you are not against us champion of heaven you made a way for all to enter in tyler what is the reference here i have no idea where in scripture do we see love flowing like waves i don't know i don't see it in fact i think it's possible that what's meant is psalm 42 okay um, where we read in verses five through seven, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep oh, at yeah. the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Ah, yeah. And I think that nice. is what is meant here. Um, however, I don't particularly like this comparison. Christ prayed Psalm 42, and he experienced all of God's breakers and all of God's waves, and he suffered for our sake. And that is what love looks like Mm. to us. And so to me, it almost seems a little bit 
trite to take this psalm about one in turmoil in one's soul, mm-hmm. uh, the Messiah in turmoil uh, as he is sacrificed for his people, to then make it about um, making me brave later on, because it it doesn't seem to be coherent on its face. If I say that your love crashes over me in wave after wave. So that was the bit about the waves crashing. You are for us. You are not against us. That reminds me of Romans chapter eight, verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Mm-hmm. Which pretty close. I mean, mm-hmm. I presume that's what they're referencing. Yes. But again, the first half of that verse is what shall we say to these things? Sure. Right? What then shall we say to these awful things that we're experiencing? Um, it could be that the author of this um, Bethel tune is r- uh, meditating on all of these s- elements which they will have to suffer. Maybe. I don't know. Although I have to say. But I- it's also. Oh, ex- no, go ahead. It's also a platitude to say, um, you are for us. You are not against us. Um, it's true, but it, it is redundant to the point of sure. almost being um, yeah. ridiculous yeah, in, sure. in my mind. And maybe I, maybe I had some bad guacamole call. I don't know why I'm coming out swinging, but it's like saying, um, I love you and I do not hate you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. N- now, that can be helpful. It can be useful if you want to assure someone that, you emphatically love them and emphatically do not hate them. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, and to to kind of add to what you're saying, this seems like a song without a problem. Like, so there are these references that you've brought up to suffering that are kind of vaguely hinted at in the song that kind of suggest scriptures that talk about suffering. Psalm 42, um, a little bit in Romans chapter eight, but there really isn't any hint of anything bad in the song. Like when I was reading this and I saw stuff about like waves and crashing, I thought, Oh, this is, this is the bad thing. Like this is, you know, this is, you know, lots of songs have euphemism for bad, for bad things. Um, darkness, um, waves, things, shame, um, you know, being alone, those kinds of things. And I expected in this song for the water to be bad, Mm -hmm. but it's not. And I really couldn't find, anything that was a problem. So like the person is made brave by the conclusion of the song, but I'm just not sure what they're like, like to be brave is to show courage or strength or fortitude in the face of some kind of fear or danger. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know in this song what the danger was, like Mm -hmm. what was the problem? Like it just, it's just like the person hears about God and they're pretty impressed. And then God calls them out under the waves and the, even the waves aren't bad and the ocean isn't bad. Like, yeah. I, and I, I will say this, this is kind of a meta criticism of the song that I would have returned to later, but it's, it's so relevant here. What is greater fortification encouragement to you as a person that something as nebulous as love in wave after wave crashes over me or that the full wrath of God crashed over Christ Mm. and we will never 
have to bear that. Right. What and what better picture of love yeah. is there than that? I think it's a missed opportunity sure. for this song to use that. If it's trying to use that from Psalm 42, right. I think it's a missed opportunity yeah. um, because that is love and it's encouraging because what is more encouraging to you, and by encouraging, I mean make someone brave, what is more encouraging to you than to see the strongest yeah. man endure more than anyone ever could? Sure. No, you're right. Uh, I think you're I right. Know. And you want to talk about the champion of heaven? Yeah. So this, I presume, is something, you know, Christ on the white horse in Revelation 19. That's I guess. what I thought of, too. He's a kind of conqueror yeah. of heaven. Um, and you were hinting at the um, beginning of this episode that you thought this might not line up well with king of heaven, maybe. Well, simply because... Because um, those are the two definitions we get of you. Yes. I mean, Christ is king of kings and Lord of lords. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you see this champion of heaven, I mean, champion uh, originally means something more like warrior, yeah. as it comes from Frankish Kampen, which became Kempfen in German, which is to fight or struggle mm-hmm. with someone. So a champion is one who wages war. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, certainly we see the Lord waging battle with his enemies, but... Um, I think we see it most clearly in Revelation 19. And I I interpret, correct me if I'm wrong, king of heaven as God the Father. That's kind of what I would think. champion of heaven as God the Son. That's what I would think. Yes. So that's that's kind of the, in. I, I don't want to call it an incoherence because it could be that I'm missing something that they're aware of. Yeah. But it, 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 and, it, and they don't provide any other description other than that. So, yeah. you know, that's not a lot to go on. But I agree with you. My kind of intuitive interpretation was God the Father, God the Son. Yes. So that, that's kind of why I said there's an inconsistency yeah. in the who the you is. And if that's the case, then they're just kind of mushing. Th- mushing that or they're switching together. back yeah. and forth. You, you know. And maybe just not making that clear. But again, it's just it's hard to tell. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So and then, then we he get made a way for all to enter. Yeah. Into that's so that so yeah that's an interesting line, and I think it's worth um, saying some preliminary things about that. So there's some uh, people who are listening to the podcast and hear that line and think, "Yep, great. That is exactly what Christ did." But there are other people that are going to listen to this podcast and hear that line and think, "That's a terrible line, right?" Because you've got two very different ideas about what Christ did. And we're talking about Christ. We're champion. We're assuming the champion of heaven is speaking about Christ. So the you is Christ. Christ made a way for all to enter in. So you have some people who are totally in agreement with that. And we tend to call those, we tend to call that view that Christ, what Christ did in his atonement was to provide a, uh, was to make available God's grace um, to any who choose to accept it by faith. And so that's where you get this idea of he made a way for all to enter in. Um, you also have a group of people that would take a more particular view of Christ's atonement. They would say Christ's redemptive work um, is applied automatically um, to the people that that God has chosen in Christ. So, um, so you have two different views of the atonement. The latter view, called particular atonement, or, or more archaically limited atonement, those people would have a big problem with this line. Um, 
just for the idea of Christ making a way for all to enter in. They would really object to that. Mm-hmm. Now, there's maybe even a third objection potentially to this line, which in theory both of those people could object to, which is it depends on what all means. So you made a way for all to enter in. Is that saying all of the people that either, if you're in the first view, that choose to believe in Christ, or if you're the second view, all of the people that Christ has applied his atonement to through election, or is this just everybody in general? Mm-hmm. Is this a universalism? This way for all to enter in could also be this passage, which we come back to a lot on this show, um, about Hebrews 10, mm-hmm. uh, verse 20. Uh, well, I'll read 19 too. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, mm-hmm. um, he did open a path directly to God. Well, he was the way, right? Yes. He was the path. And we know that the veil which he pierced had cherubim on it. Mm-hmm. And cherubim also were the beings sent uh, to guard Eden once right, Adam right, and Eve had been right. kicked out. And so he, he has opened the way, and he has been opened, um, to give us a direct return mm-hmm. to Eden. Mm-hmm. And um, the problem is the universal quantifier all. If yeah. you take it on its face, it means... Well, actually, if you take it most literally, it doesn't just mean all people. It means all things. Sure. Obviously, that's not meant. And no, I don't, I, well, no, I can't say obviously. There yeah. are some theories of the atonement yeah, yeah. that see it as a kind of whole creation, yeah, a holistic yeah. Uh, yeah. redemption. Um, and then there are other, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a, a spectrum on many different axes. But, yeah. So maybe the question is, like, did this songwriter of the song, were they, like, weighing all these different <laughs> theories of the atonement, theological things, or did they just try to make a simple statement of, like, well, yep, Christ made a way for everybody to enter in, whatever that means exactly. I mean, yeah. they didn't think about this. Of course, the problem is, is it presents a quandary, actually. Like, if I'm, if I'm, in, a worship, if I'm in a church and I'm singing this song, I'm like, I'm just going to be, like, racking my brain to figure out what this line means, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like when you speak the secret code word to a robot that short circuits its brain. Yeah. Is that that's what, that, that's what happens to me. Yeah. That, this is, this, this, uh, you know, this line is like water on my brain, which is great. Cause the waves have just crashed over me. I'm not sure how to clarify it beyond that. It's, no. it's ambiguous and it may be deliberately yeah. ambiguous. And it could be problematic for folks. Other folks are not going to have a problem with it at all. Mm-hmm. I just thought I'd call attention to that. Let's go to second verse. You calling my name, I have heard the song of love that you sing. So I will let you draw me out beyond the shore into your grace. Your grace. Okay. Okay. I genuinely don't know 
what this means exactly. Yeah. Do you know what it might mean? Yeah, or? I've got some ideas. Okay. I've got some ideas. Let's take it piece by piece. Okay. I've heard you calling my name. Now, this is quite interesting because as I see it, there are two options. Either this person is describing a miraculous audible calling, which I I'm open to, but I think probably what's meant is a more general calling, like a, you know, a sense of calling or something like that. And we were talking about Romans 831. I wonder if this is also uh, from Romans 8, very nearby, verse 30, those whom he predestined, he also called. So I'm fascinating considering the last line of (laughs) this. Yes, it is. It is. But, (laughs) and also the second, the second half of this verse too, but um, God does call us, he calls us collectively as a people, but yeah. he does also call us individually. Right. And we do have a particular name, a yeah. unique name. So I'm, I'm okay with this. I've heard the song of love that you sing. Now, remember we were talking about genitive constructions yeah. in the song of love. This could be love song. Um, <laughs> I think this is from Zephaniah chapter three. Yeah, sure. If if you would, um, verse seventeen: The Lord your God is in your midst. This is about the redemption of Israel. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Mm-hmm. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Right. So I think this is what they're going for. I've heard the song of love that you sing i mean yeah. we don't have to scoff at love it's fine um i think if it if it, actually if it did say love song we would probably have maybe some issues but okay. so uh, the person's walking along the beach uh the waves start crashing over them but it's okay they're not drowning because it's waves of love and then they hear god calling their name and they hear god singing a song of love and then the person says so i will let you draw me out beyond yeah. the shore so yeah. a, a second, again, a second statement with some th- potential theological implications, that yeah. word let. This, yeah, exactly. This implies uh, volition and capability on behalf of the singer mm-hmm. to uh, permit this drawing out. So there's, um, this person could have refused yeah. the drawing out and says, yeah. no, I will let you draw me out yeah. uh, beyond the shore. And there are differing opinions about the extent uh, to which we can reject right God's grace God's God's offer of yes and uh, I I um I am of the opinion that we are incapable mm-hmm. of refusing God's call that it is an effectual call right uh, however people who are not of that persuasion will say well that violates your consent right mm-hmm. you have been called without consenting Mm -hmm. and i think i would agree with that so i I would not (laughs) i would not argue that interpretation of it but um i think certainly in reform circles it is dominant the idea that you have no say in the matter yeah um but i think in the broader christian context the reformed guys are actually in the minority very much in the minority sure 
So, you know, this, this idea of letting you draw me out is probably not going to be objectionable to, to many people, but then again, to the, the kind of hardcore reformed folks. And also I think the Augustinian Catholics too. I mean, anyone who, uh, read confessions, he, he doesn't seem to be totally, um, letting God call him out of his wickedness. He seems to have been really captured, but yeah. And he, yeah, he kind of argues that like he was, he was utter, you know, he doesn't say total depravity, but he certainly describes himself as a pretty uh, wretched person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then, and going out beyond the shore is into your grace. Yeah. So um, the which water is, is grace now. Yeah. So it's changed. It was love. And well, maybe like the waves were love and then the ocean is grace, but obviously they're both water. In this song, grace isn't defined at all. It just shows up here as a word. It, yeah, love too. Love is not really defined in the song. So it's just kind of like, I don't know, you're going to something good out there. I almost mm. feel like that's what grace means here. It's just like, this is, you're just, God is calling you and singing to you to convince you to come out to some good thing. Into his good graces, maybe. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. You said love is not defined because this brought to mind the words of Christ. What? Yeah. What is the greatest love that one right. can have? To lay right? down one's life. One's exactly. Friends. So again, yeah. another missed opportunity to yeah. point the listener and the singer back to the work of Christ, the love yeah. that Christ has shown In us. a very specific way, right? Yeah. Whereas this is just so general. Okay, last bit of text. Because you make me brave, you make me brave, you call me out beyond the shore to into the waves. You make me brave, you make me brave. No fear can hinder me. No fear can hinder now the love that made a way. And then there's, it repeats most of those lines. And then there's the ending line. No fear can hinder now the promises you made. The reason, presumably, that this person can walk out into the ocean is because God has made them brave. Although it didn't seem like that would have been that hard. Cause when they touched the waves, like the waves were love, like what are you, are you going to be afraid of love and like out in the ocean is grace. Like, are you going to be terror? Like I, I just, I don't quite get where bravery comes in. Yeah. Cause it's just no problem. That's so I asked myself what, what it means to be made brave in this song. And the only thing we have to work with is the immediate context, because there isn't much context given elsewhere. And that is to be, uh, it seems to be to be led out into the waves, uh, to comply with this leading and to go out into the waves is to be brave. It's a brave thing. Yes. And I wonder if this means, but there's like no cost. In the song, at least, there's no, I don't see the cost. What, what do you mean by well, that? Well, like, to be brave, bravery, the prerequisite is that there's some danger or fear or challenge. Yeah. Right? Like, I wouldn't say somebody is brave, for example, for saying something that everybody agrees with, right? It's uncontroversial to say, cancer is bad. Mm-hmm. That is not a brave thing to say, mm-hmm. Right. Bravery requires some kind of challenge. And 
I just don't know what it is in the song. So we just have to kind of take the singer's word for it that God's made them brave. And we have to just kind of assume that there was some thing that was hard to do. Yeah. I forget where I heard this, but someone said once, and I, it stuck with me, bravery is not feeling no fear. Bravery is feeling fear and then pressing through it yeah, right. to a challenge. Right. Um, and I think that's true. No, because I think if you feel no fear, you're not brave. Yeah, yeah, you're either a lunatic or right. um, extremely confident in yourself, <laughs> yeah. which might also right. be a kind of madness. Right. I wondered if this was meant to be in a in a little bit altered way, Peter walking on the sea. Yeah, it has it, echoes of that, right? However, we see that we're called out beyond the shore. Yeah. And Peter's on a boat yeah. when he decides that he's going to walk on the, the sea and the waters are bad in that yeah. story right wind is raging yeah. and you know it's... like there's no sense of a storm in the song or like it, the waters are clearly not bad the waters are love and then the big ocean is grace so and no fear can hinder them now the love that made no fear can hinder now the love that made a way i wonder what yeah. that love is i wonder what the way is the love has to be the love of christ yeah. And the way must be the way to salvation. Right. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually remembering these pictures from my childhood from this very evangelical Baptist church where they had this picture of a chasm. Uh, yeah. And there's, there's this only way across the yeah, chasm, the bridge. and it's this cross. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's yes. the way. There's that, that's still being used to this day. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes. Very I forget good. what it's called. There's a name for it. Yeah. Crossbridge, yeah, that's what I would call it. Yeah, Crossway Publishing, kind of common. Crossway. (laughs) It's like a common, um, illustration, gospel sharing, like tactic. You know, like they've got like the four spiritual, like a different little programs just to share the gospel, and that's one of them. This cross thing. Well, it's stuck with the bridge. It works effective. What I found interesting is that um, in this song, we have the assurance that no fear can hinder now the love that made away, which. Certainly is true. None of our fears could ever hinder the love of God. I mean, uh, as we mentioned from from Romans chapter 8, right? yeah. those whom he predestines, he also calls. But what I find interesting is that the songwriter might be making the same mistake that Peter made in the <laughs> boat. So Jesus was initially content to approach the boat, walking on the water. And it's Peter who prompts Christ with the option of yeah. peter approaching him, right. right he's like oh make me brave and i'll you know he, he doesn't say that i'll read what he says in in matthew 14 um verse 27 jesus spoke to them saying take heart it is i do not be afraid and peter answered him lord if it is you command me to come to you on the water <laughs> he said come so peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to jesus but when he saw the wind he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried out lord save me jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying to him oh you of little faith why did you doubt so peter we we learn he he stumbles in the water because of his fear, and he has fear because of his doubt. So, um, you almost sound like Yoda there. <laughs> really? <laughs> fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. In any event, um, Peter's fear does not hinder Jesus' love for him or the salvation, 
that Jesus has for his people. But the songwriter doesn't really reveal what the purpose of the bravery is. So in the same way that the songwriter doesn't tell us what the challenge is that's being overcome, we don't learn what the the end goal of this bravery is. It's it's kind of bravery for its own sake. Yeah. And um, I agree. Jesus says in John 16, verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So that's a kind of bravery from Christ, but it has mm. a purpose. It's yeah. to trust in him and overcome tribulation so that we may have peace. Or in Psalm 27, verse 14, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage wait for the Lord. So courage in this context is not courage for its own sake. It's courage to help us wait for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Joshua 1, that very, very, very famous verse 9, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. We get bravery or Joshua here gets bravery, but it has a purpose yeah. and the purpose is to ultimately purge and conquer the promised land. No easy feat, right? No. When when the spies were sent into the land, all of them except for uh, Joshua and Caleb were like, no way, right? (laughs) And they have to convince everyone (laughs) to go with you. Yes. So bravery has a purpose. Bravery has a goal. I don't see it in this song, and I fear that it may be bravery for its own sake. I like the uh, sentiments in the last line. So no fear can hinder now the promises you've made. I mean, God has definitely made promises and it's true that no fear can hinder them. I wonder what promises they are. I mean, it's, I guess it's okay that the song doesn't necessarily define them. It maybe it's just saying a general thing, like what God promises can't be hindered. Although I do think it would be nice to know how those promises connect to what they're saying in the rest of the song. Right. And it, that also may be a Joshua reference, too. Yeah, it could um, be. Yeah, like God promised the Israelites that they would have that land. So it's not like they really need to be afraid, in a sense, because they can trust that God is going to do what he said. Yes. And while I agree with you, that is easier said than done. Yeah, right? sure. It's like, well, God oh, said. Course. Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. Yes. But no. it is still difficult. But- Obviously, every time we sin, we doubt, we, we are showing that we doubt God's promises. Right. Right. But Joshua 21, 45 says, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed, all came uh, to pass. Yep. So when he promises you a promised land, it will come to pass. Yep. Okay, Tyler, well, let's uh, get into some kind of summarizing thoughts. Uh, how would you kind of wrap things up with this song? It's a little difficult because it almost seems like there isn't a theme that permeates it. Just Except, a metaphor, really. Yeah, there. It, it it does feel like we've been on a conceptual beach, Colin. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a little sunburned by the discussion, but I will say, in conclusion, this song does not pronounce any obvious heresies. Yeah, it does not clearly state much at all. Much at all, but certainly not much uh, that is excellent, if I may. Um, But it it does remind me of some scriptural passages. I fear that if you're not familiar with the scriptures, if you are a young Christian or new Christian convert or even just a visitor in a church— 
you're not going to have yeah. any kind of mooring yeah. for these images uh, to make sense of them. So it it's a it's a mixed bag, if you would. Yeah. It's it's no no. It's a it's a shallow bay with a lot of rocks. Very treacherous if you're sailing. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the metaphor is the most consistent thing about the song, weirdly enough, because that's often something that songs like this just butcher. Um, but you know, it actually like co- has a coherent metaphor um, for the most part. But there's not a lot of depth, right? The the ironically, <laughs> yeah, right. It's talking about an ocean, but it's actually quite a superficial song. There's these vague references to scripture, which, you know, a person can kind of intuit. And certainly like you and I, if we actually look in the song in depth, we, we can find these references. But um, I'm sure there's other ones that we there missed. probably are. Of course. Yeah, of course there are. But, you know, this, this is just this is not a lot of substance here and not a lot of clarity. And uh, I'm not that impressed. Tyler, did you give the you song? You make me sad, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Did you give this song a rating, Tyler? I did. I give it two out of five percussion sections. Yeah, all right. Because drum the percussion solo. is really, really good. The drum solo is good, and then um, there's this halftime that they hit when they get to the chorus, which is really good. So you have this mm. dumb, 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 and then the chorus is dumb, dumb, dumb. Yeah, always dumb. powerful. And you got your head banging going on. What did you give it, Colin? Uh, yeah, mine is not that funny or interesting. I gave it two out of five water metaphors. Okay. Just, yeah, because you got the water metaphor. You are a wet blanket as far I as... I know. Uh... <laughs> Total wet blanket. That's good. Um, so there you go. That's You Make Me Brave by Bethel Music. Let us know if we missed something. I mean, yeah. if, if, if I could raise my score. Because it really, it's not like this song said... Something no. crazy. No, there's no heresy or anything like that. I mean, there were definitely some sentiments that people would find controversial. Well, Bethel Music, you make me scratch my head. <laughs> Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchor.fm slash theworshipreview and patreon.com slash theworshipreview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.